Hello, Glenridge Church. I hope that you are keeping strong inside of this very, very challenging time in which we find ourselves uh, with this coronavirus. Um, we've been bombarded with you know, bad news since March. And uh, this really, this time calls for us to really draw from the Lord Jesus Christ and ensure that we are mentally strong, psychologically strong, and uh, that our souls are well nourished. And so, yeah, we are actually in the good hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and uh, he has entrusted you, beyond that, he has entrusted you in the good hands of, uh, of Stan and Heather and the leadership team of Glenridge Church. And so uh, let's walk through this valley of this pandemic and let's work with endurance. Endurance is a key, a major um, you know, principle in the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells us to enjoy. He who endures forever shall be saved. And so we know that endurance is very much a critical principle in in the king in this kingdom journey. Uh, Abraham had to have endurance. Job, different people in the Word of God, and and I think it's our moment, and it's all will be done at some stage. And so let's just endure together and walk through this. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, the process of discipleship. I think the the conversation of discipleship is a very, very critical one inside of this um, uh, culture in which we live, inside of this age in which we live. And just as the early church had to contend with some cultural realities, we also have to contend with some cultural cultural realities in our own time, in our own um, generation, as as we press into the definitions of discipleship so that we can be the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the word disciple means to be a student, to be a scholar, to be this apprentice of the uh, apprentice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and so the idea of discipleship is, is that we engage in, engage in a process of learning about the life, about the nature, about the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we never graduate ourselves out of that process. You know, Paul says, said in Philippians 3.10, I want, I, want I want to know Jesus Christ. He was a sinner apostle by then, still expressing his desire to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, verse 1, Paul says, I follow me as I follow Christ. So even as a leader, as an apostolic leader, he never really disqualified himself or, or I mean, um, he never exempted himself uh, from this idea of, of being the disciple of the Lord. And, and so I want to encourage us, I want to speak around this. Um, how do we press and how do we navigate through this process of discipleship? And as we start this, I want to lay some foundational thoughts and principles um, that really provides the context for us to understand the, 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 the space within which discipleship is supposed to, to be taking place, the context, the framework the space within which discipleship is meant to be taking place. The first uh, statement or thought I want to impart to your heart has to do with the very function of church, uh, how church is called to function by God. Church gathers the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It forms them into a community. It equips them in the life and in the purpose of Christ. And then it commissions them as witnesses of Christ in the world four basic components that really form the, 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 the you know the functionality of, of, of any church really uh, is a church number one is called to gather to be a place of gathering through evangelism bringing people out of the world from sin 
from darkness into light. It must be a place of gathering of the disciples of Christ. Once they are gathered, they must become or be formed into a community. And that means that people coming from different uh, backgrounds, cultural, ethnic, racial, uh, people of different age groups and social standing in society have to come into this common space and be a community or learn to love one another. Learn to love one another. Uh, not because they've been friends before, not because you know they have a rich history together, but just because of their common bond in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this whole issue of community becomes important. In other words, we're not just a, you know, a people who show up on Sunday and, and vanish in the week. We are called to be a community together. There are things about Christ that are only practical once we live as a community. Things like love and forgiveness and patience. Those principles are not possible to, to express, to be expressed inside of our lives unless there's someone next to us. So church is a place of gathering of disciples. It's a place where these disciples are then formed into a community. The third component is that we then need to equip these in church. We then get equipped in the life and in the purpose of Christ. And then fourthly, we get commissioned as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world, or what we may call the public square, the, the agora, that's the word that is used in the word of God, the, the marketplace, uh, which is not just a, a place of business. The agora was uh, a social place, a place of entertainment. It was a place of exchanging of ideas. It was a place where legal matters were, 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 were administrated. The agora basically was, you know, constituted everything you find in, in the public space. And, um, and so we get commissioned, which is a fourth component. We get commissioned as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world or in the agora, in the public square or in the marketplace, whatever use, word that you want to use. And when I say commissioned as witnesses of the Lord, I'm not talking about an ad hoc, um, some ad, ad hoc event where we are ordaining and commissioning somebody to the nations, which is very much a part of what church is about. We know about... Uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. So that's very much a biblical principle. I'm not uh, uh, you know, uh, denying that. But I am talking really about the weekly, almost daily commissioning that happens. Uh, not all of us will, will get to be commissioned to nations, but all of us are called by God to come on Sunday to be equipped, to go out back into life and be the witnesses of the Lord in the context of our lives, of our careers, vocations, businesses, marriages, be this incarnation of Christ in the midst of our neighborhoods, of our workplaces, whatever you, you want to call it. Absolutely important. That's the first idea that we see, a fundamental idea about church that provides the context of discipleship. The second context I want to lay in your heart has to do with the whole idea of Israel being the example of what church should be. So we know that Israel was an example, a pattern in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, but also we know in Acts chapter 7, 38, uh, that Israel was an assembly, was the assembly in the wilderness, church. That word assembly there is the same word that Jesus is using in Matthew 16 to talk about, I will build my church, I will build my ecclesia. So Israel was a church in the wilderness, was the ecclesia in the wilderness. They were the example for us, a pattern of the things to come. Two fundamental ideas about Israel. One, they were a nation. And we know that we are a holy nation, according to 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. We are a holy nation. 
uh, just like Israel was. And the second idea is that they were not only a, a nation, they were a nation with tribes. And the whole idea of tribes um, means that these tribes, as we see in Genesis 49 and Deuteronomy chapter 33, these tribes had, um, had, had unique prophetic identities in God. In other words, when God calls a church, like Glenridge Church, Livingstone's Agency, um, he calls a church not just to do generic ministry, but to represent something unique in Christ. And what then the church must do is that it must possess that burden as a collective. And uh, that brings in the whole idea of collective of a collective mission, uh, which again, we are slowly losing inside of this individualistic culture, this 21st century, where we're all concerned about what's my purpose, my ministry. Uh, but really, the, the, the idea is that as a collective, we become this collective entity. We possess this collective burden. The word in the Hebrew is the word Masah, the burden of the Lord set upon the prophets like Isaiah, all of the prophets, Hebrew prophets in the Old Testament. And the burden was the load that used to be put upon like donkeys, animals. And so we all carry, Glenridge carries a, a, a burden from God. Livingstone's agency carries a burden from God. And we need to engage that burden. Now, discipleship within a church takes place in that context. The next thought I want to lay as a foundational principle has to do with this word koinonia, which is the English, English word fellowship. Now, that's a very, very powerful word. Um, that word does not simply mean to come together on Sunday to hug one another. Yes, that can be uh, an expression of koinonia. But koinonia really means to be shareholders in the same enterprise. To be shareholders in the same enterprise. What that means is that a church community like Glenridge or, or Livingstone's agency must, you know, must dispense the life and the ministry of Christ from a common prophetic burden. From a common prophetic burden. Now, again, a strange idea in the 21st century within this individualistic culture where we all are, are, are moving with, with, with our own individualistic missions. Uh, but really, we are called by God to carry a burden um, to be shareholders in the same enterprise of Christ and of his kingdom, of his purpose, of whatever that he has called us to be and to do. So that word koinonia is powerful. The fourth uh, principle that I want to lay in your heart has to do with the whole idea of church as a community becoming the collective incarnation of Christ within the neighborhood. So actually, uh, Glenridge is called by God, Livingstone's agency, is called by God to be this collective incarnation of Christ within the city of Devon. Now, you have to build a certain way to make that a reality. Uh, you cannot engage in that idea of being a collective, in, of being the collective incarnation of Christ if, if, uh, if we just show up on Sunday morning. We've got to be a functional community um, in the process. So four uh, very basic ideas, very critical here. The first has to do with the functionality of church. Church is a place where we gather the disciples of Christ uh, form a community out of them, equip them in Christ, and then commission them, commission them as witnesses of the Lord. The second idea has to do with the fact that the church is a nation and, and there are tribes within this nation and each one of those tribes carries a unique prophetic identity in God. The fourth and uh, third principle is one of koinonia. We are shareholders 
in the same enterprise. And the fourth principle is one of where church must become this collective incarnation of Christ within the neighborhood, within the region, within a city like Devon. Now, I want to talk about, if we talk about the process of discipleship, I want to talk about some tensions and some challenges that we have to navigate through if we are developing or if we are to develop a strong culture of discipleship. Remember, the word disciple meaning to be a scholar, to be a student, uh, to engage in this process of apprenticeship in Christ Jesus, to be the learner of his life, of his nature, of his ways. That's what it means. Now, what, what we need to overcome to step into a strong culture of discipleship. Um, the following things. The first has to do with what I call a, a, a church membership model. A church membership model. Uh, here the idea, the framework, the, the idea, the paradigm is that I'm in the books of the church, I'm paying my tithe, and so that's all there is in terms of my relationship with the church. I don't really have any obligation beyond that. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. Um, church is, is, you know, we have to relate with church beyond our finances and really be part of a process, be part of the process of Christ, of the formation of Christ within the church. So that church membership model is not biblical. The second model or a challenge is, is one, is one, is, is a thing that I call this devotional church model. Devotional church model. Devotional church model is that I appear on, I, you'll see me on Sunday morning. Don't bother me on Tuesday. Don't bother me on Thursday. I'm doing my own business. You will see me on Sunday morning. So in other words, I relate devotionally with you. Uh, beyond that, we don't have anything in common. That's not biblical either. The third challenge, if we have to navigate through these, you know, the challenges and really build a strong discipleship culture, is, is this challenge that I call the volunteerism church model. <clears throat> the volunteerism church model. And what this is, is that uh, I relate with the church on the basis of my gift. I offer you my gift, but I don't want to be part of the process. And the danger of that is that you're going to have the X chapter 6 problem where people who are serving at the table don't quite understand the value system, the mission, the purpose of the church. And as it happened in X chapter 6, they exercised, um, you know, uh, discrimination and environment that was supposed to be one of inclusion and reconciliation. They had the gift to serve, but they didn't understand the, the mindset and the values of their church. And so it's good to volunteer our gifts, but let's understand that to volunteer our gifts must also mean to offer my life to the process of the church. Absolutely important. The next challenge that we find in this wrestle of discipleship is has to do with this postmodern culture the postmodern culture that surrounds us that, that 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 is where we are skeptical to the idea of truth especially truth when it's possessed by the collective we're quite happy to 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 walk in our own individualistic convictions but we we cannot possess truth together as a collective and that's a that's a big problem because also that's not you know kingdom um, uh, so within a postmodern culture, we are relative in our understanding of truth. We pick and select what we like, almost like Genesis chapter 3, as Eve uh, chose from a wrong tree uh, and did not eat from the tree of life and uh, got herself into trouble. That's the same kind of idea within the postmodern culture. You cannot disciple within that kind of 
environment. Now, it's important talking about that, you know, issue of postmodern culture to understand that the kingdom of God does empower us to, to confront um, uh, manipulation and deception and all of those things. But equally, the kingdom of God places us within a community where we have to uh, uh, demonstrate or buy into this principle of mutual accountability. In other words, we cannot live in a perpetual state of protest. And, and even when we have to protest, really what the kingdom of God does when it empowers us to protest is it, the first place of protest is one of the heart, of my heart, of my mind. That's where protest has to begin. If I don't protest within my, within, you know, confront issues of sin in my heart, but protest against other issues, then I'm, I'm, a, I'm a practical and functional hypocrite. Uh, we cannot do that. And, and so, and so within a postmodern culture, we live in this perpetual state of protest. We are skeptical um, about anything and everything that comes from the pulpit that is taught. Uh, we cannot stand together with others to possess the truth of Christ. Remember, truth is not just something that has to be possessed by, by individuals. Truth must, must uh, permeate, must enter into, must, must, must possess the, the, the collective. That's why we are the body of Christ. And, and so it's important that we confront these ideas and these mindsets of, you know, of postmodern culture in order to become um, uh, powerful disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next uh, challenge in this journey of discipleship has to do with uh, social media and, and what we, call, we can call the idolatry of the screen, of, of our phones, um, of the screen, the idolatry of these gadgets that we, we use. And there is a mindset, and I'm, I'm a strong believer that, that um, we have to use social media for, for kingdom advance. Uh, as leaders and as, as believers, we've got to proclaim the truth of God out there. That's very, very important. This is the platform that God has given us, and we've got to use it. But I, we know that things can go wrong with social media also. Now, there are mindsets that we have to be and nuances that we have to be aware of if we're engaged in the culture of discipleship. Uh, like in social media, uh, like say on Facebook, you get this question when you pick your phone, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? In other words, you have an immediate platform to say something. In fact, you're being challenged to, to say something. Um, and so with that comes this idea where we are speaking because I have a platform not because I have content. Um, you know, uh, I normally check my own Facebook and, and, uh, and some, you know, public pages that, that I have there. And then, you know, sometimes it says, hey, Robert, people haven't heard from you in a while. And I'm like, you know, it, it's okay if people haven't heard from me. That is absolutely okay. I'm, 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 I'm cool with that. I will speak when God speaks. I will not open my mouth unless I believe that there's something God wants to say out there. That is the nuance we have to understand inside of the social media culture. Um, uh, the other thing that we have, uh, we have to understand in the social media culture, of course, is we, we get to have all these friends from all over the world. But the reality is that they are distant and abstract. The, the abstract realities, really, they don't touch us. The, the principle of the word of God in Proverbs is that iron sharpens iron. That speaks of contact, of interaction. Um, you know, if people who know you, know your issues, you know your weaknesses, love you, then that's true community. 
if people who only see your manicured version of you on social media love you, you know, they, they love you because you always appear, you know, beautiful and handsome, you know, you cannot really count on that as, as proper community and therefore as a context of proper discipleship. This, this idea of this distant and abstract life that we see in social media is what we have to be very, very careful of. Iron sharpens iron. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. The idea of contact, we've got to rub against each other. We've got to irritate one another and, and, and walk together in the things of God. Um, and that is very, very, very important. And, and, and of course, the other idea, actually, the other idea in social media is that uh, with the principle of, of Google, I'm not against Google as, a, as, a, as an online platform. I'm talking about the principle, the mindset, is that truth is out there and really, essentially, truth has no face. Truth is out there, not here. And truth has no face because if you type something, although it was uploaded by somebody, it's something that we often have to teach the young people that actually what you have researched in Google was, in fact, you know, put in there by a human being. Uh, and, and kids don't sometimes understand that. And, and, and so the, the mindset that, that we can suffer from even as, as adults is that we tend to trust that which is, is from, you know, abstract online platforms instead of the, the humans around us. And that's a danger of the age in which we find ourselves. So truth is out there. The idea that truth is out there is not here. And it's that truth has no face. That goes against the fundamental idea of the kingdom of God because God ultimately has to send his son. But before that, he sends prophets. There has to be a face behind truth. And we, 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 we relate with the truth by connecting with people, those who are proclaiming things. And that's how truth gets spread out from one place, I mean, from one person to the collective. That's how truth really advances here on earth. And within the social media context, truth has no face, truth has no immediate context and contact. It cannot be validated and authenticated through a practical walk, the evidence of walking in it. It is just nice things that are proclaimed, but it's not, it's not, it's not a, a reality that, that we see around us. And these are the things that we have to be very, very careful of inside of this time. Of course, the other thing that becomes a challenge in the process of discipleship is, is you know, inside of this capitalist, capitalistic age, is that economic independence often means that uh, you know I'm wise, you know, in my own ways, and so I don't need to, I don't need to be um, um, uh, connected to somebody for wisdom and and for sharing life and stuff like that. That's another thing that we have to confront. And actually, the hypocrisy that comes with that is that we love the idea of having a, a life coach, but when we hear about discipleship in church, you now we frown at that, and 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 that's that's the thing that we have to confront inside of this time. The next challenge has to do with uh, what I call the challenge of conviction bias. And what that means is that I hear what I like and I hear only that which pleases my soul. And again, it goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Eve was offered by the devil what um, she liked. And that there was a principle of conviction bias there. 
she didn't like what was the command of God. She liked what the enemy offered her. And, and uh, Paul warns in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, in the last days, people will gather, teachers will teach what their itching ears want to hear. And what Paul is really saying is that in the last days, people will, will listen uh, through the imperative of their own paradigm through the imperative of their own paradigm. And, and we've got to confront these things if we have to step into, into, into the power of the kingdom of God and into this journey of discipleship. Now, as we said earlier, that church gathers the disciples of Christ. It forms them into a community. It equips them in the life of Christ and in his purpose. And then it commissions them as witnesses of Christ in the world. Very, very important. So we are disciples of Christ within that framework and within that context. It's also important to understand that Jesus has not only said we must make disciples or be made into disciples, he's also said that we are witnesses of, we are his witnesses here on earth. And so really, I, I think the configuration of a believer that we see in the Bible is one where we are a disciple witness all at the same time. And really, this, this disciple witness, we are disciple, that means we are learners of Christ. We are learning from his life, but also we are witnesses. And that means that we are engaged in ministry in the public square. So very important. I think the, these two principles of being a disciple on the one hand and the witness on the, on, on the other hand are very, very powerful principles to come to bring together, um, which means we then talk about a disciple witness. I am a disciple witness. You are a disciple witness for the Lord. That means that you are learning about Christ on the one hand and on the other hand, you are executing ministry, maybe through your vocation or whatever form of ministry God has called you to engage in. So very, very important. Disciple witness. That's who you are. You are being, you are being taught, you are learning about Christ, but also you are executing ministry. That's, that's really who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, discipleship has to be the posture in our relationship that guides our relationship with church. It's got to be the attitude that guides our relationship with church, not our gifts, not, not our ethnicity, not our academics, but discipleship must be the posture of our relation in our relationship with church. And discipleship must be the foundation for effective witnessing. Oftentimes, good disciples become good witnesses or effective witnesses of the Lord in the public square. So very, very crucial, uh, these issues that we are talking about here. Um, and, and, and as we wrap this up, let's, let's, let's talk about some you know, discipleship platforms and, and ideas and principles uh, that we need to register in our minds and hearts as we strengthen the cords of discipleship within our hearts. Now, um, and as we talk about those you know, platforms, the first thing I want to say about that is that it's important to state that discipleship is, of course, not for converts. You know, there can be a, a subconscious idea that discipleship is only for converts. Really, in Ephesians 4, we, we, we are equipped until we become like Christ. In Matthew 28, the discipleship process happens until the end. So we are lifetime learners and students of the life of Christ. We never graduate ourselves out of that process. Absolutely important. 
that discipleship is not for, for converts. Of course, it's not just limited to Bible study sessions. Discipleship is about life. It's about learning the life of Christ as we walk in the life and in the challenges of life. And discipleship emphasizes transactions of the heart and not information of the mind. The transaction of the heart and not the information of the mind. Discipleship is relational. It's not institutional. It's not about appearing on Sunday morning to a church gathering. It's about relating to somebody, to a people. It's important. Discipleship is also a collective reality and not individualistic. So it's interesting that we learn about these disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are following him. They are trekking with him together as, as a group, the 12 disciples. And, and some of the issues they have to process have to do with relationship and team dynamics. So it's important that we are not just locking ourselves in our own bedroom and having powerful encounters with God, um, uh, but they cannot translate into relational realities. Whatever powerful encounter we can have with God must translate into, must translate into some relationship dynamic. Very, very, very important. So discipleship is transactional, it's not informational. It is relational, it's not institutional. It is a collective process, not an individualistic process. And discipleship is actually life-based, it's not ceremonial. So we're not being discipled in the context of church gatherings, we're being discipled in the context of life itself. So very, very important. We're being discipled in the context of life. I want to read this scripture for you in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. Uh, talk about discipleship. This discipleship imperative is to is to be dest is to be is to be destined, or we are destined to be conformed to Christ. And that's the discipleship imperative. We're destined to be conformed to Christ. It says here, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And that's really is my emphasis inside of this in verse 29. It says we are we are for, for those God for knew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That is the ultimate goal that God has for you and I as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be conformed to the likeness of the Son. It's not to do a bunch of works, it is to be conformed to the likeness of the Son. And that word conformed means to to be to, to be jointly formed or to be formed together. And so what it means is that we have to have encounters together. We have to encounter Christ together as a collective, as a church, as Glenridge, as Living Stones Agency. We've got to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ together. So very, very important, this conversation of discipleship. My last thought here has to do with the, 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 the whole principle of Apollos in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. You can read that story, you know, uh, later Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. This man called Apostle, uh, um, Apollos, who, 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 who was very articulate and very gifted, and yet it says that although he knew only the baptism of John. What I like about this story is how uh, Priscilla and Aquila invite him to their home for dinner or lunch, whatever it was, and then he's commissioned into the mission field. 
And I think that speaks into the whole idea of being discipled for leadership. So very important that we cannot rush into the mission field before we have been at the dinner table to be processed as we process one another and as we process others. So Glenrich, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to, 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 to look into this whole issue of discipleship. It's a big thing inside of my own heart. I remember we're saying that we are disciple witnesses and that we combine the two realities inside of this. It's a very, very powerful thing. And discipleship is a way by which we arrive at the end. We have to do this, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, until the end. So discipleship is one thing that God has commissioned that we have to engage in that unlocks and that activates the end inside of our journey in the purposes of God. Thank you.